because of a ferocious pair of eyes and what McKnight called a buccaneering nose. I quietly closed the door into the hall. Keep your voice down, Richie, I said. She is looking for the evening paper to see if it is going to rain. She has my raincoat and an umbrella waiting in the hall. The collars being damaged beyond repair, he left them and went to the window. He stood there for some time, staring at the blackness that represented the wall of the house next door. It's raining now, he said over his shoulder, and closed the window and the shutters. Something in his voice made me glance up, but he was watching me, his hands idly in his pockets. Who lives next door? he inquired in a perfunctory tone after a pause. I was packing my razor. House is empty, I returned absently. If the landlord would put it in some sort of shape— Did you put those notes in your pocket? he broke in. Yes, I was impatient. Along with my certificates of registration, baptism, and vaccination. Whoever wants them will have to steal my coat to get them. Well, I would move them if I were you. Somebody in the next house was confoundedly anxious to see where you put them. Somebody right at that window opposite. I scoffed at the idea, but nevertheless I moved the papers, putting them in my traveling bag, well down at the bottom. McKnight watched me uneasily. I have a hunch that you are going to have trouble, he said, as I locked the alligator bag. Darned if I like starting anything important on Friday. You have a congenital dislike to start anything on any old day, I retorted, still sore from my lost Saturday. And if you knew the owner of that house as I do, you would know that if there was anyone at the window, he is paying rent for the privilege. Mrs. Clopton rapped at the door and spoke discreetly from the hall. Did Mr. McKnight bring the evening paper? she inquired. Sorry, but I didn't, Mrs. Clopton, McKnight called. The Cubs won three to nothing. He listened, grinning, as she moved away with little irritated rustles of her black silk gown. I finished my packing, changed my collar, and was ready to go. Then, very cautiously, we put out the light and opened the shutters. The window across was merely a deeper black in the darkness. It was closed and dirty. And yet, probably owing to Richie's suggestion, I had an uneasy sensation of eyes staring across at me. The next moment we were at the door, poised for flight. "'We'll have to run for it,' I said in a whisper. "'She's down there with a package of some sort. Sandwiches, probably. And she's threatened me with overshoes for a month. Ready now?' I had a kaleidoscopic view of Mrs. Clopton in the lower hall, holding out an armful of such traveling impedimenta as she deemed essential while beside her. Euphemia, the colored housemaid, grinned over a white-wrapped box. "'Awfully sorry. Uh, no time. Back Sunday,' I panted over my shoulder. Then the door closed and the car was moving away. McKnight bent forward and stared at the facade of the empty house next door as we passed. It was black, staring, mysterious, as empty buildings are apt to be. "'I'd like to hold a post-mortem on that corpse of a house,' he said thoughtfully. "'By George, I've a notion to get out and take a look.' "'Somebody after the brass pipes,' I scoffed. "'House has been empty for a year.' With one hand on the steering wheel, McKnight held out the other for my cigarette case. "'Perhaps,' he said. "'But I don't see what you would want with brass pipe.' "'A woman?' I laughed outright. You have been looking too hard at the picture in the back of your watch, that's all. There's an experiment like that. If you stare long enough... But McKnight was growing sulky. 
He sat looking rigidly ahead, and he did not speak again until he brought the cannonball to a stop at the station. Even then it was only a perfunctory remark. He went through the gate with me, and with five minutes to spare we lounged and smoked in the train shed. My mind had slid away from my surroundings, and had wandered to a polo pony that I couldn't afford, and intended to buy anyhow. Then McKnight shook off his taciturnity. "'For heaven's sake, don't look so martyred,' he burst out. "'I know you've done all the traveling this summer. I know you're missing a game tomorrow. But don't be a patient mother, confound it. I have to go to Richmond on Sunday. I, I want to see a girl.' "'Oh, don't mind me,' I observed politely. "'Personally, I wouldn't change places with you. "'What's her name? North? South?' "'West,' he snapped. "'Don't try to be funny. "'And all I have to say, Blakely, is that...